Welcome back to Zion's Redemption Radio Network. I, uh, (laughs) I'm not reading a book today. I, uh, was just going through my memories on Facebook and I'd posted the Sermon of the Grove by Joseph Smith, which is the last sermon that Joseph Smith gave before he was murdered. And I thought, oh, it's been a while since I've read this one. I think that I would like to read this and record it. So my kids aren't awake yet. It's about 6.26 a.m. on the 14th. I drive nights and I slept a lot yesterday and I wasn't tired so I've been reading all night and so I thought well I don't know when I'm going to sleep today I might sleep later I've got to do a bunch of uh, fixing fences and putting up more electrical fences but I thought you know what it'd be nice to read this just to refresh it in my memory and also to share it with my listening audience. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to do another podcast. At least I'll record it. I don't know when I'll release it. I might release it today. I might release it tomorrow, but let's get into this reading. It is a long reading. Um, Now, he didn't finish this sermon. He wanted to, um, but there was a rainstorm coming, and so they had to wrap it up. But between this sermon and the King Follett sermon, like, I just, I love these two sermons. And the King Follett's more popular among Latter-day Saints. It surprises me that not very many people know about this lecture at the Grove. So I'm going to do a recording of it. So this was uh, given by Joseph Smith just nine days before he was murdered on June 16, 1844. It's called The Sermon in the Grove, East of the Temple. History of the Church, Volume 6, pages 473 through 479, and also recorded in Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 369 through 376. President Joseph Smith reads the third chapter of Revelation and took for his text the first chapter and sixth verse, quote, And hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. That's Jesus Christ hath made us kings and priests unto God and his his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. It is altogether correct in the translation. Now you know that of late some miraculous and corrupt men have sprung up and apostatized from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. 
and they declare that the prophet believes in the plurality of gods. And lo and behold, we have discovered a great, very great secret, they cry. The prophet says there are many gods, and this proves that he has fallen. It has been my intention for a long time to take up this subject and lay it clearly before the people and show what my faith is in relation to this interesting matter. I have contemplated the saying of Jesus in Luke chapter 17, verse 26, quote, And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. And if it does rain, I'll preach this doctrine, for the truth shall be preached. So he's like, I think it's going to rain today, and it did. Anyway, continuing on, the plurality of gods. I will preach the plurality of gods. I have selected this text for that for that express purpose. I wish to declare I have always... And in all congregations, when I have preached on the subject of, of the deity, it has been the plurality of gods. I has preached I has been preached by the elders for fifteen years. I've always declared God to be a distinct personage, Jesus Christ a separate and distinct personage, from God the Father and the Holy Ghost was a distinct personage and a spirit, and that these three constitute three distinct personages and three gods. If this is in accordance with the New Testament, lo and behold, we have three gods anyhow, and they are all plural, and who can contradict it? Our text says, And hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. The apostles have discovered that there were gods above, for John says God was the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. My object was to preach the scriptures and preach the doctrine they contain, there being a God above, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I am bold to declare I have taught all the stronger doctrines in public than in private. John was once was one of the men, and the apostles declared they were made kings and priests unto God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It reads just so in the Revelation. Hence, the doctrine of the plurality of gods is a prominent as is as prominent in the Bible as any other doctrine. It is all over the face of the Bible. It stands beyond the power of controversy. A wayfaring man, though a fool, need not err therein. Paul says there are gods many and lords many. I want to set it forth in a plain and simple manner. But to us there is but one God. That is pertaining to us. And he is in all and through all. But if Joseph Smith says there are gods, many and lords, many, they cry away with him, crucify him, crucify him. Mankind verily says that the scriptures are with them. 
Search the scriptures, for they testify of the things that these apostates would gravely pronounce blasphemy. Paul, if Joseph is a blasphemer, you are. I say there are God's many and Lord's many, but to us only one. And we are it to be in subjection to that one, and no man can limit the bounds or the eternal existence of eternal time. Hath he beheld the eternal world, and is he authorized to say that there is only one God? He makes himself a fool if he thinks or says so, and there is an end of his career or progress in knowledge. He cannot obtain all knowledge, for he has sealed up the gate to it. Scriptural Interpretation Some say, I do not interpret the scripture the same as they do. They say it means that the heathen's gods. Paul says there are gods many and lords many, and and that makes a plurality of gods in spite of the whims of all men without a revelation. I I am no going to give, I'm not going to give them the, the knowledge of the God of heaven. You know, and I testify that Paul had no allusions to the heathen gods, and I would say, or he would have said so, and he didn't, but continuing on with Joseph Smith, I have it from God, and get over it if you can. I have a witness of the Holy Ghost and a testimony that Paul had no allusion to the heathen gods in the text. I will show forth the Hebrew Bible that I am that I am correct and the first word shows a plurality of gods and I want the apostates and learned men to come here and prove it to to the contrary if they can. An unlearned boy must give you a little Hebrew. Bereshit baro Elohimite Ashuami Verho Aratz. Sorry if I didn't pronounce that exactly right. That's in the Hebrew. Rendered by the King James translators, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. I want to analyze the word Bereshit Rosh, the head. Sheet, a grammatical termination. The bath was not originally put there when the inspired man wrote it, but it has been since added by an old Jew. Barus signifies to bring forth. Elohim is from the word Eloi, meaning God in the singular number, and by adding the Him, it renders it gods. It read first. In the beginning, the head of the gods brought forth the gods, or as others have translated it, the head of the gods called the gods together. I want to show a little learning as well as other fools. The head god organized the heavens and the earth, and I defy all the world to refute me. In the beginning, the heads of the gods organized heavens and the earth. Now the learned priests and the people rage, and the heathen heathen imagine a vain thing. If we pursue the Hebrew text further, it reads, Bereshit Baru Elohim Ayat Ash Aoshamayin 
Vehu Aaratz. The head one of the gods said, Let us make a man in our image. I once asked the learned Jew if the Hebrew language compels us to render all words ending in him in the plural. Why not render the first Elohim plural? He replied, That is a rule with few exceptions, but in this case it would ruin the Bible. Because see, in Isaiah, it talks about, um, God talks about there not being any other gods. And uh, I know I'm getting away from the text, but I also know that there are many gods. God's plural. I mean, Jesus Christ is a God. I've seen him. Adam is a God. I've seen him. Um, I've seen a vision of God the Eternal. Um, I have not met Yehovah. Uh, I expect to in the future sometime, but it doesn't matter. There's at least God the Father, who most wouldn't understand, is, is Michael. I know that's really hard to understand, but... And then Jesus Christ, and he's a God as well. And like when it, in Revelations chapter 1, verse, uh, read around 6, I think, um, it says that he, referring to Jesus Christ, hath made us kings and priests unto God and, and his father. Well, that's a mystery, isn't it? When Jesus Christ appeared to Mary at the garden, he says, Hold me not, for I have not yet ascended to my God and your God, or my Elohim and your Elohim, and my my Father and your Father, my God and your God. He's talking about Father Adam, who is Michael, and Jehovah, who is our Elohim, or one of the mighty ones, one of the gods. So... I know that Christianity is very upset about this because in Revelate or in Isaiah, I think it's 64, it talks about that there's no gods that stand beside him. This is God the Eternal speaking. And it's not entirely true because God the Eternal Father and God the Eternal Mother are one, but they are two. But they're the same. They're the same in that they are sealed together as one individual, but they have, you know, two bodies and two personalities and whatnot. Just like my wife and I are one, but we are two, okay? So putting all of that aside, God the Eternal is above all. Speaking of the Eternal Father and the Eternal Mother. But there are gods under him. They are exalted ones. In the Hebrew, Elohim is translated as mighty ones. The Elohim. Everywhere in the Hebrew Bible where it talks, where it says uh, in the King James, the, the Lord your God. If you take away the translation and take away the hidden hidden things, 
Everywhere it says the Lord your God, it says Jehovah Elohim. Jehovah is one of the Elohim. Under the direction of God the Eternal, there are many who are exalted. There are many who are exalted. Our God, Jehovah, our Elohim, is an exalted man who lived on an older earth. When Michael became the Adam of this world, he had already attained unto Godhood, and in his next, <clears throat> after this earth is, is surrendered over to Jesus Christ, who has, uh, has become the father of this world, Michael would become an Elohim. But all of the Elohim, Jehovah, Michael, and all of the others, are under the direction of God the Eternal. In Isaiah 64, it is the Eternal who is speaking to Isaiah, not Jehovah. These are restored truths that are missed because of the corruption of the Jews and the Bible. It is part of the reason, among many other reasons, why there has to be a restoration of knowledge upon the earth in the last days. And Joseph Smith the prophet understood these things more clearly than any other professor of theology ever would without revelation on the subject. Because Joseph Smith was a prophet of God. The prophet of the restoration to lay down the foundation and the knowledge needed to restore truth, but also so that eventually Zion would be redeemed by a people who were prophets themselves. So this old Jew thought that it would ruin the Bible if they acknowledged that there is a plurality of gods. He acknowledged I was right. I came here to investigate these things precisely as I believe them. Hear and judge for yourselves, and if you go away satisfied, well and good. In the beginning, the Bible shows there is a plurality of gods beyond the power of refutation. It is a great subject I am dwelling on. The word Elohim ought to be in the plural all the way through. Gods. The head of the gods appointed one god for us, and when you take that view of the subject, it sets one free to see all the beauty, holiness, and perfection of the gods. And I want, all I want is to get the simple naked truth and the whole truth. Many men say there is one God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost are all only one God. I say that is a strange God anyhow, three in one and one in three. It is a curious organization. Father, I pray not for the world, but I pray for them which thou hast given me. 
Holy Father, keep keep through thine own name those who whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. So there would be a, a fifteenity instead of the Trinity. Because Jesus Christ was praying to the Father for the twelve, and he says, let them be one with us. So 12 plus Jesus Christ plus the Father plus the Holy Ghost would be a fifteenity. If that's the way you interpret the scripture, meaning one thing. But see, you don't get it. When Jesus Christ went to Mary in the garden, at the garden tomb after his resurrection, he said that he had not yet been to the Father. Three days before that, on the cross, he told the thief, today you'll be with me in paradise. But he had yet not yet been to the Father. How could he, being the Father, not go to himself? Well, <clears throat> let me explain something to you. When Jesus Christ pays for our sins and transgressions, which he did, we become his through the law of adoption, and he becomes a father to us, but he has a father above him, as we all do. When he told Mary in the tomb, I ascend, I go to my father and your father, he is speaking of Father Adam, who is a god, and unto my Elohim and your Elohim, speaking of Jehovah, our Elohim, which is a god. When John writes in the first chapter of Revelation that Jesus Christ hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, he is speaking of God our Father, who is Michael, and his Father, who is Jehovah our Elohim. Getting back to the text, all are to be crammed into one God according to the sectarianism. It would make the biggest God in all the world. He would be a wonderfully big God. So Joseph Smith is being sarcastic here. He's probably tired of the crap. Okay, he was a prophet of God. He was revealed these things to restore them to the earth. And the sectarians and the Protestants that have come into the church are trying to tap drag their God with them. Sidney Rigdon, when he he wrote the Lectures of Faith, not Joseph, Joseph Smith, he tried to drag his sectarian God in with him. Joseph Smith understood better about the plurality of gods than any other man because Joseph Smith was the prophet and Lord's anointed of the restoration, come to lay the foundation of Zion's redemption which has not happened yet, but he laid the foundation for it to happen, which had to be the foundation of correct knowledge, which had to be restored to the earth. In the Book of Mormon, when it says that Jesus Christ is the Father, he is because he paid for our sins and we become his through the law of adoption. I have explained the progression of the gods in past episodes, how Jesus Christ was once a Holy Spirit. He became a Redeemer. And 
by redeeming us of our sins will become a father to us spiritually and when he becomes the new Adam on a new earth that is spoke about in the book of Revelations he will be the Adam of that world same as Michael was the Adam of this world same as Michael was a redeemer on an older earth and same as he was in the position of God the witness on an older earth than that This is the progression of the gods which Joseph Smith completely and fully understood. I want to read the text to you myself. I am agreed with the Father, and the Father is agreed with me, and we are agreed as one. The Greek shows it would be agreed. Father, I pray for them which thou hast given me out of the world, and not for those alone but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be agreed as thou, Father, are with me and I am with thee, that they may be agreed with us and all come to dwell in unity and in all the glory and everlasting burnings of the gods, plural, gods, And then we shall see as we are seen, and be as our God, and he as his Father. I want to reason a little on the subject. I learned it by translating the papyrus, which is now in my house. And by the way, (coughs) excuse me, by the way, the papyrus that he had was, I think, 187 feet long. So whenever any anti-Mormon comes and tries to tell people and deceive the people that, oh, we we see what's on the papyrus and we see what's on the scrolls and there's nothing to the book of Abraham in this papyrus, just know that they have fragments, which if they put all of the fragments together, make it, makes it about three feet long. In the times and seasons, I believe it talks about the scrolls or the papyrus being 187 feet long. They are working on a limited basis to try to destroy Joseph Smith or the testimony that one receives about the prophet Joseph Smith with their lies that they form as logic but their lies Satan's biggest thing that he can do if he can't get you to murder somebody else murder innocence is get you to reject and deny your testimony given to you by the Holy Ghost of the truth of God I know that Joseph Smith was a prophet because of the revelation given to me by God, by the Holy Spirit of God. And if I reject that witness that is so very clear, then I would be denying the Holy Ghost and rejecting the Holy Ghost. And that's what Satan wants me to do, and that's what Satan wants you to do. So he throws all kinds of lies And by our own logic, we accept these things and we go off into the paths that Nephi saw 
as he was walking and following the iron rod, he got off the path because he was following some religious man. When he stopped following the religious man and followed God and got revelation for himself, guess where he got to? He got back to the path. He got back to the iron rod, which is the word of God. The revelation of God. And he got to the tree of life. That's where you need to get to. Nephi didn't get there following the religious man. He got there holding to the word of God, which is revelation. It's not only scriptures. You can read the scriptures and come to all kinds of interesting interpretations, but without revelation, you're not finding the truth. See, the scriptures are very important to read with the Spirit that leads you and the confirmation of the Spirit so that you can know the correct interpretation of scripture. But continuing on, Abraham's reasoning. I learned a testimony concerning Abraham, and he reasoned concerning the gods, the God of heaven. Quote, In order to do that, said he, suppose we have two facts. That supposes another fact may exist. Two men on the earth, one wise and the other would, or would logically show that the other who is wiser than the wisest may exist. Intelligence exists one above another so that there is no end to them. If Abraham reasoned thus, if Jesus Christ was the Son of God and John discovered that God the Father of Jesus Christ had a father, you may suppose that he had a father also. And he's talking about the text of Revelation chapter 1 where it says that Jesus Christ hath made a kings and priests unto God and his father. Where was there ever a son without a father, and where was there ever a father without first being a son? So this is the progression of the gods. Whenever did a tree or anything spring into existence without a progenitor? And every and everything comes in this way. Paul says... That which is earthly is in the likeness of that which is heavenly. Hence, if Jesus Christ had a father, can we not believe that he had a father also? Meaning the father had a father above him? Yes. He's trying. See, Joseph Smith is trying to explain things that he understands. Things that God has revealed to him. And people are apostatizing from the church or calling Joseph Smith all kinds of names because because restoring the truth goes against the traditions of the times. And all of Christianity is full of false traditions because they have apostatized from the truth. Which is why there has to be a restorer. I despise the idea of being scared to death at such a doctrine, for the Bible is full of it. I want you to pay attention to what I am saying. Jesus said that the Father wrought precisely in the same way as his Father had done before him. Remember when he says, I do nothing except for what I see the Father do? 
But that's in the scriptures. Jesus Christ said that. Continuing with Joseph Smith. As the Father had done before, he laid down his life, speaking of the Father, who is Michael, also the Father, who is Jehovah, who is a Father above Michael. He laid down his life before and took it up the same as his Father had done before. He did as he was sent to lay down his life and take it up again and then was committed unto him the keys see this is what jesus christ did what did he do he came to teach he laid his life down and he broke the bands of death by taking it again in resurrection and what will happen in the future all the keys will be bet, will be gathered by our Father, who is Michael, who is the Adam of this world, and then those keys will be given to Jesus Christ at Adam and on Diamond, because Jesus Christ becomes our Father, but Jesus Christ has a Father above Him, and He, Michael, has a Father above Him, and He, Jehovah, has a Father above Him. Let's read this again. He did as he was sent. He's talking about the Father. To lay down his life and take it up again. And then was committed unto him the keys. See, there was an Adam and event on an older earth. See, Jesus Christ has not received all the keys yet because the keys have not been gathered by Father Michael at our Adam and this is the progression of the gods. Michael was a redeemer on an older earth. He laid down his life willingly, same as Jesus Christ. And he took it up again, same as Jesus had done. Jehovah was a man on an older earth who laid down his life and took it up again. And his father, at an Adam and on event, gave him the keys, and he became the father or the Adam of the next world. Same as Michael did later, and same as Jesus will do in the future. And then was committed unto him the keys. I know it isn't good. Re- or I know it is good reasoning. The church being purged. I have reason to think that the church is being purged. I saw Satan fall from heaven, and the way they ran was in was a caution. All these are wonders and marvels in our eyes in the these, these last days. So long as men are under the law of God, they have no fears. They do not scare themselves. I want to stick to my text to show that when other men open their lips against these truths, they do not injure me, but injure themselves. And why why does he say that? Because those individuals are teaching false doctrines, and the truth is the truth. And if Joseph Smith speaks the truth, it's still going to be the truth, even if these other men fight against him to speak and to promote their false traditions, their apostate views. To the law and to the testimony, for these principles are poured out all over the scriptures. 
the law being the Torah and the testimony being the prophets. That's uh, actually a quote from Isaiah to the law and to, to the testimony. If they abide not in these things, there is no truth in them. That's in Isaiah. When things that are of the greatest importance are passed over by the weak-minded men without even a thought, I want to see truth in all its bearing and hug it to my bosom. I believe all that God ever revealed, and I never hear of a man being damned for believing too much, but they are damned for unbelief. They found fault with Jesus Christ because he said he was the Son of God and made himself equal with God. They say of me, like they did of the apostles of old, that I must be put down. What did Jesus say? Is it not written in your law? I said, ye are gods, and he's quoting Psalms chapter 82. I said, ye are gods, and if he called them gods unto whom the word of God came, the scripture cannot be broken. Says ye of him whom the Father has sanctified and sent into the world, thou blasphemest, because I said I am the Son of God? It was through him that they drank of the spiritual rock. Of course, he would take the honor to himself. Jesus, if they were called gods, and to whom the word of God came, why should it be thought blasphemy that I should say that I am the Son of God? Eternal glories. Go and read the vision of the book of covenants. There is clearly illustrated glory upon glory, one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars. And as one star or person differs from another star or person in glory, even so do they of the celestial world differ in glory. And every man who reigns in the celestial glory is a god to his dominion. By the apostates admitting the testimony of the doctrine and covenants, they damn themselves. Paul, what do you say? They impeached Paul, and they all went and left him. Paul had seven churches, and they drove him off from among them, and yet they cannot do it by me. I rejoice in that. My testimony is good. Paul says there is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars, for one star differeth from another star in glory. He's, he's speaking of, I think it's 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 15, verses 40 through 42. I might be wrong about that. It might be 1 Corinthians. But anyway, so also is the resurrection of the dot, dead. They who obtain a glorious resurrection from the dead are exalted far above the principalities, powers, thrones, dominions, and angels, and are expressly declared to be heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ, all having eternal power. These scriptures are a mixture of very strange doctrines to the Christian world, who are blindly led by the blind, meaning they're prophets. Oh, wait a minute. They don't believe in prophets anymore. That's all done away with. They have no prophets. They have no one to teach 
the correct interpretation of scripture given to them by revelation because they are apostate. They believe the lies of apostate doctrines because they do not love the truth enough to go to God to get it from him and become prophets themselves. And anybody who rises up to become a prophet or anybody who who God raises up that becomes a prophet, they will mock and scorn because any true prophet will restore truth and not go along with the apostate Christians and their lies. And let me just remind you, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, there is a principle that all they who believe the lie, whether it's the lies of strong, or strong delusion or false doctrine, anyone who believes the lie will be damned because they did not love the truth enough to go to God to get it from him. I will refer to another scripture. Now, says God, when he visited Moses in the bush, Moses was a stammering sort of boy like me. God said, thou shalt be a God unto the children of Israel. God said, thou shalt be a God unto Aaron, and he shall be thy spokesman. I believe those gods that God reveals as gods to be the sons of God and all can try can cry Abba Father sons of God who exalt themselves to be gods even from before the foundation of the world and are the only gods I have reverence for John said he was a king quote and from Jesus Christ who is faith a faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. O, o thou God, who art king of kings and lord of lords, the sectarian world, by their actions declare we cannot believe thee. The old Catholic Church traditions are worth more than than all you have said. Here is a principle of logic that most men have no more common sense than to adopt. I will illustrate it by an old ape I'm sorry, by an old apple tree here. Here jumps off the branch and says, I am the true tree. And you are corrupt. And if the whole tree is corrupt, are not its branches corrupt? And if or if Catholic, Catholic religion is a false religion, how can any true religion come out of it? He's like, he's like basically making this point because you have all of these Protestant churches that are protesting certain things about the Catholic Church but they get their doctrines from the Catholics, even though they call the Catholics apostate. If the Catholic religion is a false religion, how can any say, how can any true religion come out of it? If the Catholic Church is bad, 
How can any good thing come out of it? The character of the old churches have always been slandered by all apostates since the world began. The Lord will not acknowledge traitors. I testify again as the Lord lives. God will never acknowledge any traitors or apostates. Any man who will betray the Catholics will betray you. And if he will betray me, he will betray you. All men are liars who say that they are of the true church without the revelations of Jesus Christ and the priesthood of Melchizedek, which is after the order of the Son of God. It is the it is in the order of heavenly things that God should always send a new dispensation into the world when men have apostatized from the truth. The lost for the priesthood. I'm sorry. I'm actually getting really tired, but we're almost done here. Which is kind of funny. I'm finally getting tired. It's 7, 11 a.m. <laughs> so I've been up all night. It is the order of the heavenly things that God should always send a new dispensation into the world when men have apostatized from the truth and lost the priesthood. But when men come out and build upon other men's foundations... They do it on their own responsibility without authority from God. And when the floods came and the winds blew, their foundations will be founded on sand. And their whole fabric will will crumble to the dust. Did I build on any other man's foundation? I have got all the truth which the Christian world possessed and an independent revelation in the bargain and God will bear me off triumphant and I will drop this subject. I wish to I wish that I could speak for three or four hours, but it is not expedient on account on account of the rain. I would still go on and show you proof upon proofs. All the Bible is equal in support of this doctrine. One part as another. So, you know, it's not as long as the King King Follett discourse, but it is packed full of truth. And I just thank you for listening to it. And I leave these things with you in the name of Messiah.